Episode 31 coming up next with MMA manager Jim Walter. And Jim is a fascinating guy. What a pretty cool story. He was a little tight on time today, but uh, got about 35 minutes with him and got to hear his story. He represents the current UFC heavyweight champion, Stipe Miocic. A fascinating path from uh, Cleveland, Ohio to Miami, Ohio for college to Chicago, Atlanta, all over the country as a management consultant, back to Chicago, and ultimately now is making a name for himself in the MMA sports representation world. So we'll let the episode speak for itself. Sit back, relax. Welcome, Jim Walter. The Optimal Life. All right, man. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you being here. Thanks, Nate. Appreciate you having me on, man. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I've been watching you a little bit from kind of like an arm's length distance from afar. Uh, Always been fascinated with the the sports representation world in general. I used to be in the NFL sports representation business myself, represented NFL players. I worked with a firm players rep here in uh, Cleveland, a guy named Andy Sims. And uh, him and I built this, you know, we were doing well together, but I ultimately left the industry, went into family business. So Always found the uh, sports representation world to be pretty cool. And, and um, you know, I know a lot about NFL and about NBA and, and Major League Baseball, but not so much about uh, not so much about what it's like to represent fighters. And I know it's more of a, a newer field, newer niche, niche kind of area. So why don't you just start back? You're from Cleveland, right? That's right. Where did you go to uh, where did you go off to school after you where'd you go to high school in Cleveland? I went to St. Ignatius High School in downtown Cleveland. Okay, and then from Ignatius, where did you uh, where'd you go off to college? Uh, I stayed in Ohio and went to Miami of Ohio, um, where I studied accounting and finance. Nice. I went to. I'm a Red Hawk as well. Um, great school, nice. man. How about ba- how about bagel? How about bagel and deli for those that don't know? <laughs> yeah, they uh, bagel and deli is phenomenal. And then um, I'm a Chicago native now, and we have. Uh, Man, what's it called here? I think it's called Chicago Bagel. Um, I might be mistaken. I I forget the name, but uh, basically it's Bagel and Deli dropped here in Chicago. Same owner, same everything. Oh, it's fantastic. Same bagels, big Miami of Ohio uh, flag hanging here in Chicago, so it's pretty cool. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, and then Uh, after Miami, I went over to London School of Economics um, for banking, which is (laughs) not applicable to anything I do right now. Yeah, yeah. So, so you went off to Miami, and what you so you went? You were a finance finance major. Accounting and finance, yeah. Accounting so I started finance, uh, yeah. down the accounting path. Um, found out soon that I didn't want to do uh, audit or tax, really. Um, but to get to the 150 hours for the CPA, I had a double major in accounting and finance. So I picked up finance um, and actually enjoyed it a lot more than uh, than I did accounting. So I stuck with it. Nice. So then you went off to the London, and you're doing you're doing your thing over there. And then after school. Uh, where, where did you where did you go from there? Like your first real world job at that point? Yeah, so I moved to uh, so kind of backtrack. So that, to go to in London, um, my goal was to come out of school in London and get into uh, i banking. Um, right around that time, you know, the market crashed. Jobs were super hard to get. You know, I couldn't make it past a second round interview at Goldman or anywhere really. Um, and banking jobs are just super tough. Um, so I actually moved back to Cleveland, um, where I bartended during a day shift for a few weeks, um, while I was looking for other jobs, um, landed a job 
at GEFMP, which is General Electric Financial Management Program. Mm-hmm. It's a two-year program, four, six-month rotations, accounting and finance. Um, since I couldn't get into banking, I'm like, okay, what? I didn't know what I wanted to do, right? So um, I got into GEFMP, was ready to rock and roll. Um, I figured, what a better way to do it than to get a little taste of um, each rotation every six months. They give you a new role in a new geographic location. So, you know, you could be doing uh, accounting-related activities in uh, Appliance Park in Louisville, or you could be, you know, doing finance for light bulbs in Charlottesville, Virginia. So I was like, Jeez. this will be cool. I'll get I'll get a good taste of uh, what everything uh, has to offer and kind of figure out where I belong. And then uh, G Capital actually went under, right, right, didn't go under, but they had some financial problems um, at the time. Um, so the, the program was delayed, delayed. Um, so I was left, I was left jobless, didn't know, uh, what exactly I was going to do. Um, so I was bartending in Cleveland for a while for a few weeks and then I landed a job in Atlanta, Georgia in management consulting. Wow. Um, wow. Isn't that funny how that works, man? Like you you go off to school with, yeah, you go off to school with this preconceived notion of what your path is going to look like. You kind of have it all figured out. And then you, you really have nothing figured out because just things change and you got to pivot and uh, you end up in doing something. Did you ever imagine getting into the sports representation business? Um, yes and no. Honestly, you know, I've been an athlete my whole life um, and I kind of wanted to just get away from it. You know, when I chose accounting as my, my major, I was like, I'm going to learn bookkeeping. I'm going to learn those skills and then figure out like I want to own my own business and I want to go out and and kind of create my own um, right. from an accounting perspective. And I was really excited to get more on the business side than, you know, the athlete side, right? Sure. So management consulting was a great, uh, I wasn't expecting to be there, but uh, took that job. Um, I learned a lot, uh, focused, you know, I stayed in that space for about four or five years. So learned a lot of skills, um, primarily focused around uh, financial institutions and big telecoms, so big Fortune 50 companies. Right. Um, delivering primarily value realization activities. Um, so, you know, building business cases, justifying ROI, um, things of that nature, making sure things are successful. So over the course of the, the five years that I spent in management consulting, um, never thought I would be there, but it's funny how everything fits together, right? Yeah, no doubt. Pivot no doubt. here and there, but, you know, my accounting and finance background helped me understand those clients that I had where management consulting and, you know, my company taught me the, the skills I need and kind of, it's kind of uh, the stars aligned, right? Absolutely. Um, what, what year was that when you came back to Cleveland doing that bartending before you went off to Atlanta? Uh, 2000 and let's say 10 maybe. Okay. So you're going back about seven, eight years at this point. Yeah. Yep. So that's kind of where my journey began. Spent about five years after that in management consulting. Um, and, you know, lived all over the place, um, traveled a ton. I probably traveled 90%. So wow. I got a wealth of experience surrounded by, you know, super, super sharp C-level, C-suite folks. Um, yeah, because like, you're, doing, you're, doing, you're doing consulting things for these companies. You're probably doing, what, at least six-month stints, if not longer? That's right. Yeah, usually a, a typical engagement would be somewhere between 10 and 12 weeks. Right. Um, and we'd move pretty hard and fast during those 10 and 12 weeks. And then... Um, you know, new project, new team, new location. So wow. constant, constantly on the move. Um, so when you're doing was, that, you're doing that. You're going through. You're going through it. You're gaining all these skills. You're. Uh, I mean, it's obviously phenomenal experience because you're working with different co- clients. Um, probably, it sounds like different 
markets, even though they were probably similar sectors. Um, so you're getting all that experience. 2015 rolls around, and uh, so what what starts to happen from there with the, with this whole sports thing? Yeah, so I was um, I've always uh, loved mixed martial arts. Um, one of the reasons I'm in this space, super passionate about it. Um, started training jujitsu just to kind of for my own mental sanity. Um, there's nothing like being put on your back and and, and problem solving, right? There's nothing more real than that than me. So I started training jujitsu. Um, Loved it. Um, started doing some striking as well. Um, loved that. Just loved the game. Was super passionate about it. Loved the people I was around. Um, and as a result of my training, um, I met a lot of uh, professional athletes. Um, started training with them. Got close to them. And my first client actually was Brian Rogers um, in Bellator back in the tournament days. Um, uh, <clears throat> Brian yeah. came to me and uh, a good friend of mine still to this day. Um, he was my first client as well came to me and said, hey, man, can you help me with my contract? You know, I'd really think that you'd be good at this. And my response was, absolutely not. Like, I have no desire to do any of this stuff. Like, you're my friend. You're my training partner. I'd much rather just uh, right. be your friend than anything else. But he's like, come on, man. You know, I think you'd be really, really good for the sport. They need people like you. I trust you. I know a lot of the other guys do. <clears throat> I was like, dude, I don't know anything about that. He's like, you but you'll figure it out. Like, you got the skills. So I got dropped into this Bellator contract negotiation. Um and it worked out. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. Were you in Chicago? Were you back in Chicago? Um, yes. So this is my second stint in Chicago. Um, and I'm here permanently. You know, I don't plan on uh, going anywhere anytime soon. Um, so you were in Chicago that, just working out at the gym, and that's how you – well, this guy was a friend of yours, but this is where you started meeting the, these MMA-type fighters? Yeah, I was at the gym just training. Um, Brian trained out of Cleveland. Um Cleveland, Ohio, and then he moved, actually, he trained at Strong Style um, with uh, one of my clients, Stipe Miocic, under Marcus Marinelli, and then Brian moved over to Denver, Colorado, um, to train with Mark Montoya at Factory X. Um, So that's where it all started for you. (laughs) You didn't know what you were getting yourself into. (laughs) It was. I I tell Brian every day, uh, he's the best and worst thing that ever happened Uh. to me. He's responsible for this disaster that I'm in. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, it seems like it's going pretty well. So you're, you're, uh, so when you do that, you have no really idea of what the industry is like. You get thrown into, you know, with the NFL Players Association, there's a there's a governing body. Yep. So we have to take a we had to take after I got out of law school. I went to Cleveland Marshall, Cleveland State. Okay. After I got awesome. out of law school, we had to go and um, you know you have to go through this lengthy application process with the NFL Players Association. There's a test. There's a weekend uh, testing session that you have to sit down and pass this exam. And there's all these rules and regulations and yada, yada, yada. So while there's all those kind of layers to it and red tape to it, it actually kind of gives you a a pathway on where to do. Whereas the difference with what you were getting into is there was really no, no set transcript, right? Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um... I mean, what I do you do? Licensed. How did you how I did am, you handle that? Yeah, yeah, so I am licensed out of the state of Illinois um, mm-hmm. to practice, um, but you know there there really is no governing body like the Players Association, right? Um, which you know is good and you know also bad. So there's pros and cons of both for sure. Um, right. It makes my my entry into the space um, a lot easier, but um, 
at the end of the day, I am, you know, a fiduciary of my clients and it makes it a lot harder to achieve our goals if there's no collective bargaining and there's no governance really on the other side. So I think ultimately, yes, it makes my, my barrier to entry a little easier, but at the end of the day, I'm here for the athletes and, you know, it's, I I wish there was a governing body, um, because it'd be a lot more beneficial and lucrative for the athletes and these guys and girls that go out there and and train their tails off and, you know, absolutely for a living. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause yeah, I, I want to get into a little bit of that. So take us through that. The first one with Brian, what, what do you do? You pick up the phone and call Bellator. How does that work? Yeah. So Brian, um, Brian's one of those guys that he has some business acumen, um, no offense to some of the other athletes. Um, but Brian is pretty knowledgeable. He has good sales skills, good marketing skills. Um, and you know, he, and when he's training, he's a, he's a heck of a fighter, and he's accomplished a lot. Um, a lot of people remember Brian with his switch flying knee, one of highlight reel knockouts, like great great athlete as well. Um, right. Probably one of the most talented guys um, that I've ever been around. Awesome guy. Um, so it was a little bit of both. Um, he's like, at this point in my career, you know, I'd really like your counsel and your guidance. Um he connected the dots a little bit for me, made some, you know, introductions for me when Bellator, um, and then started those negotiations. So, you know, kind of objective one was contract negotiations. And then from there, um, you know, matchmaking, things like that, all fight related, but outside of that, just coming up with a good marketing strategy, right. um, and in a way to engage brands as well. So not only grow Brian Rogers as a brand and a fighter, um, but also, um, you know, Bellator has the opportunity, to, uh, pretty lucrative opportunities to get sponsors um, and endorsements. So building out his marketing strategy and then his, also his endorsement strategy, that's something that's very much in my wheelhouse um, that I've been very comfortable with building business cases, tracking value realization, you know, customer success, things like that. Right, um, right. So that's, that, that's, that was my wheelhouse. So um, like the, the contract, the first time you look at a Bellator, did you have like a, a, a Bellator contract to kind of go off of when you were going through the negotiations or was it mostly just verbal type back and forth and, and then let's start putting it down in writing? Um, there was a, a contract to iterate off of. Um, you know, I'll never put myself in a situation that I'm not prepared. So, you know, I've, before that conversation, I did my due diligence. Um, I retained a few attorneys. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a practicing attorney. Um, so just from a legal perspective, I wanted to make sure you know, I'm, I'm able to negotiate and sign, which is unique. I'm able to negotiate and sign on behalf of uh, my clients in MMA, but I'm not an attorney. So um, I wanted to make sure that I have all my ducks in a row um, and I have um, a solid understanding of what the landscape looked like um, before entering into those conversations. So sure. I did have an opportunity in a window and some runway to do my due diligence, talk to some folks with a wealth of experience get legal counsel, all of those things before entering in those conversations. Nice, nice. That's awesome. So you got your first one done and you're like, okay, did, what was it like? Did you enjoy it? Was it what you expected, not what you expected? Yeah, it was good. You know, I'm I'm always the type that has the mindset to welcome new challenges um, and and look at uh, new verticals and new problems. Um, so I enjoyed it. It was, it was interesting, right, um, mm-hmm. to kind of look under the hood of a sport that most people look outside in that and – just understand the inner workings and yeah, um, exactly. That's and great. it makes you appreciate uh, a lot more what some of these athletes go through. Um, and you guys are signing like multi-fight de- contracts, right? That's how they work. Correct. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. 
you know, with the bigger promotions, UFC, Bellator, Glory, uh, multi-flight contracts, even, you know, the AAA level, if you will, like LFA, um, multi-flight contracts, more regionally, um, just kind of depends. Um, yeah. No, that's, that's interesting. I, I've always found it fascinating still with this this whole thing with Bellator, UFC, pick any professional organization. You know, you're, you're negotiating with a company that really owns the rights to the to the fighter, right? I mean, it's it's not like the the other leagues where there's teams, and if, if things don't go well down the road, you might leave and go to another team within the same league. Here, you might here if you want to leave, you have to go to a completely different league per se. Uh, yeah. So yes and no. When you say rights to the fighter, this is one of the biggest you know debates out there, right? Are right. fighters employees or independent contractors? Um, we could talk about this for hours. Um, <laughs> so it's it, it's interesting, right? So um, yes, the promotions do. Uh, there are promotional obligations as part baked into promotional agreements, right? Um, where fighters, where they do have the right to use fighters' image and likeness um, and things like that. But at the end of the day, you know, it's not necessarily. I don't think it's necessarily accurate to play back what you said that they own the rights to the fighter. Yes, they do sign exclusive contracts. Um, but, you know, ultimately, as independent contractors, fighters own their own rights, per se. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of tricky, but... Um, yeah, it's definitely a little different, right? It is. It's very, very different than, you know, Major League Baseball, right? Where yeah. everything's super transparent, you know, you can see meeting minutes and every word that was said in a meeting. It's very uh, it's very transparent. So, um, yeah, that's, that's interesting. And we could, you're right, we could go for hours about the, the legalities and the loopholes and all that kind of stuff. Um, but but let's continue on because I really want to hear the the rest of your story. I know you're on a little bit of a, a time frame here. So you do your first one with Brian. You got the thing in Bellator. What what happens from from there? So as a result, um, I really had no intentions of getting into this business. Um, it's to be perfectly candid, man. It's a uh, it's a super tough business. Um, it's so hard to justify the return on the investment of my time and my energy and my money, to be honest. Um, the margins are just so small. And honestly, it's, you know, at the end of the day, if I'm real with you, I'm making a percentage of the athletes percentage and the athletes get a very, very small percentage from the promotion. So Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, if you go down the pecking order, right, I'm at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, so, but there's early. no there's no set percentage uh, in the industry. There's probably an industry standard of what, like ten percent, give or take, or how does that work? Yeah, give or take. I mean, there yeah. is no there's no. I would Again, say ten percent is probably industry standard. Um, yeah, but there's no hard and fast rule. Um, you know, I'm and, pretty comfortable with what my my peers charge, um, and we're we're pretty competitive. So, um, uh, it's just up to at the end of the day, though. Let's just say. Let's say I'm making thirty percent, right? And industry average is ten percent. Thirty percent of nothing is still pretty much nothing. So <laughs> it's very, uh, it's very, very tough. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a very tough business. But what happened with Brian was um, the, the primary reason I'm in this business is you know I've always wanted to help people. That's kind of where I'm at. Um, I love helping people. I like helping like-minded people, and that's why Brian and I got along very well. Um, yeah. So Brian then you start. Made, sorry. Go ahead. No. Go ahead. I was going to say, so you met Brian, you're at the facility, you did his contract. I assume then, what does he do? He introduces you to somebody else, or what happens Yeah, exactly, and that's exactly what I was going to say. So Brian yeah. made a move from from Strong Style to Factor X, so from Cleveland to Denver. Um, Brian met Chris Camozzi, um, 
they became friends. They started cross training, and Brian just wanted a, a change. Right, he was in Cleveland for a really long time. Um, Marcus and Strong Style, you know, we're all still still super close. Um, Brian just wanted a change, so he went to Denver to train at altitude um, to work under Mark Montoya. Chris Camozzi kind of made that connection. Um, after Brian started fighting out of Factory X, he introduced me to Mark Montoya. Um, and that's kind of where it all began for me. Um, wow. Wow. Mark is, uh, Mark is not only a good friend of mine, um, but he's also probably one of my mentors and, um, one of my closest business partners. Um, so Brian made that introduction as a result of him moving out there. Mark and I did not know each other before that. Mm -hmm. Um, but now I pretty much, uh, I would say I represent, I don't know, 90, 95% of factory X on the business side. Um, wow. And, and run the business side while Mark is out, uh, running the programming, um, and, and traveling all over the world, building champions. So, um, the reason Mark and I hit it off so well and kind of, yeah, he, uh, he, uh, he got me into this mess with Brian, um, is, you know, I'm very much aligned with Mark. Mark is one of those guys that has the skills, the business skills, the communication skills and the work ethic. He could go out and work anywhere. Um, yeah. he chooses to take his talent and invest it, um, countless hours into these kids in a very homegrown, you know, organic way in Denver where he's building champions from the ground up. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I got to know some of the guys, some of the athletes, his team, um, and just what they're doing in Denver is, is awesome. Um, and I got on board and, and have been, and that's really kind of the first domino to fall for me. Um, and how I got into this. So, so when did you uh, meet? When did you? Uh, when, Sorry, go ahead. when did you ultimately? Uh, you're probably this is 2015, 2016. When when did you ultimately meet uh, some of these fighters here in Cleveland, particularly Stipe? So I've always known Stipe. Um, I knew Stipe. I don't know, probably for like seven years now, eight years. I mean, I was at Stipe's first fight when he fought for NWAFS in Cleveland. Okay. Um, you know, he fought. I think he fought six times for NWAFS before he went to the UFC. Um, you might have to fact check me on that, but, um, off the top of my head, I think he did. Um, yeah. but I, you know, I would, I would go to those fights, right. Cause Brian was on that car, those cards and, um, I was like, wow, this guy's really good. And I would see him at strong style and, you know, we were always casually friends. Right. Um, and, uh, but he was under management. Um, he had a manager, they were together for, I don't know, some time. Um, so we've always been friends. Right. Um, I wouldn't say really close, but you know in passing hey what's going on man hey what's up um you know things like that and it wasn't until um he parted ways with his management i would say two or three years ago or a little more than two years we've been together for about two and a half years now i guess it's crazy to even nice. say nice right. but getting um, early 2016 time frame yeah i would say um yeah, yeah. somewhere around then um that's awesome so yeah it's been great so you know what they say ta timing in life is everything jim <laughs> it's just it really it's crazy it really is right yeah. um but steve i interviewed a few agents and managers um i was in the final running and then we decided to move forward together um and <laughs> it's been super high highs and super low lows um it's been quite the experience and to be honest at the start of our our business relationship. I don't know. I didn't know, uh, if we were going to, we were going to make it to be honest. Um, right. There were a lot of challenges. Um, some of which, you know, everyone's like, Oh, you know, 
Stipe's so so is such an incredible fighter, but you know, I inherited some things that, you know, there's landmines out there that I didn't know about, right? Sometimes it's when I open a door, I don't know what's on the other side. Um, and it took a while to kind of repair that. Um, and it was very, very challenging and frustrating. And it's, no, it, and it's you know, some things that Stipe does and doesn't understand. Um, but it was tough to kind of course correct a lot of that stuff. Like, um, for example, what, like, give us an example, whatever you could share. What, what, like, what's an example um, of that? Without getting into the two specifics, just, yeah. you know, legacy agreements, things that previous management agreed upon on his behalf that he didn't ah, know about. Gotcha. Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, even, you know, I'm sure if you, you know, you read the headlines, right, his UFC contract was not ideal to say the least. Right. Um, right. So it's just, it, you know, put himself in a position where he's head down, heads down fighting and training his butt off uh, to become a champion. And there was never a doubt that he would be a champion. Um, but just the business side, um, just getting in tune and getting in lockstep, it's uh, it's very very tough. Yep, um, yep. At the at the beginning, but I, you know, I wouldn't even say that Steepy and I were friends at the beginning. We went through a lot of adversity together, and I can honestly say we came out the other end, and he's one of my closest friends. Oh, that's um, awesome. Just what we've gone through together, um, I think, has forged us into um, a level of trust that I can't even really explain. Um, I can look at Stipe from a distance and we can be on the same page without even exchanging words. And I can't honestly say that there's a few people in my life that I have that type of relationship with. No, that's I think beautiful, man. it's only because of how hard he works and how smart he is. His IQ is so high. Yeah. Um, and he's just such a, such a great dude. Like he's just such a good human and a person. Um, and you know, honestly, that's partially why he was in such a bad spot at the beginning. Yeah. You know, Stipe always does the right thing. He's super honest. Um, you know, what you see is what you get with that guy. Like, and he put him and people take advantage of that. Yo, no um, doubt, no doubt. And he's he is the epitome of what it means to be a champ. I mean, the way 110%. he you know, the way he carries himself. And people say, "Oh, he's not he doesn't need to talk shit and he doesn't need to be a flat. He is literally the, like a normal Midwest. That's what you get for, with people for like in Cleveland. These 100%. these guys, he, he is he's amazing and he seems like he's welcoming to the fans and he's just a cool normal dude. No normal Midwest he, boy. He really is. He uh, he is such a great role model. Uh, you know, I I struggle with athletes as role models sometimes because I'm so close to it now. Um, I see a lot of what happens behind the scenes, and some of it is just nauseating, to be honest. Um, but yeah. Stipe, it's just it's so different. Um, yeah, he truly is a great role model um, and just a great individual and. You know, I have to pull Stipe away sometimes from signing autographs from fans or taking pictures with kids. Like, <laughs> sorry, he's all done, and like, he'll stay there until the room is empty. He's asking, the he's asking them for their autographs. He seems exactly. like he's got that he's, kind of personality. He'll, he'll yeah. never anyone that supports him. He never forgets that, and yeah. you know, he'll he'll recognize people at open workouts or kids. You know, I'm sure in Vegas on July this July um, during fight week. You know, he'll recognize the same kids that were getting his autograph in Boston. Like, he doesn't forget anything. That's amazing. Um, that's amazing. You, just, you, yeah. That's the stuff that's important to him. Um, mm-hmm. And the values that he has and the way that he conducts himself ethically is just to think, you know, it's it, it's what makes him a great fighter and just a great champion in general. No doubt, man. No doubt. That's, that's fantastic. I'm a huge fan. Him and my brother are somewhat friendly. He actually gave my brother a ticket to the fight that was here in Cleveland several years ago. See, there you go. Yeah, so it was pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. 
Uh, real, real quick, you mentioned there's been some high highs and low lows. What, what? Just give us one example of each with that with representing Stepe the past two and a half years. What's been like the greatest moment for you, and what's been one of those lower moments? If you could shed some light on that. Sure. Um, lowest moment. It's a tough one. Um, I can't give you a specific example, but I can tell you that the stress and the friction of being accountable for the Miocic family, Stipe and Ryan, and then soon to be their baby girl, from a contractual perspective and endorsement perspective, I am, you know, the the primary decision maker um, for them. And just having the stress financially to make sure that they're taken care of and that he gets the value that he deserves um, from these contracts and agreements is just, the stress is overwhelming Mm -hmm. um, because I genuinely... And it's hard for me, right? Like personally and from a business perspective to separate those two because I truly care about Steve as a person. Right. Um, so sometimes it makes it harder, right? I have to put my business hat on and go out and fight for things um, on behalf of him, which is my job ultimately. So I would say, you know, some type of the, some of the contractual problems that we have have been some super low lows um, where it impacts his family and his day-to-day life and delivering that, that news and message um, and not being able to fix some of that immediately uh, is very challenging. Makes um, sense. Yeah. High highs. Seeing Stepe beat Francis in January is something that I'll never forget in my entire life. Um, you know, seeing Stepe win the belt and defend it. Um, seeing Stepe win it against Verdum was amazing, right? Seeing him defending it um, against JDS and Overeem was awesome. Yeah. Um, but something about the Francis fight—it's just. Uh, I'll never forget that. Um, <laughs> just everything we went through. Yeah. yeah. Um, over two, you know, we worked our our butts off for over two years to get to that moment where he became the greatest heavyweight of all time, and you know, we got a new deal. He's taken care of. He's, you know, one of the highest paid athletes actively on the UFC roster. He's one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid, this year athlete outside of the UFC roster. He deserves it, man. Just to to take that moment in, and you know. The odds against him. He was an underdog. Oh, I know. It's crazy. Nagano fight. Yeah. You know the yeah. the hype and the promotion and the dollars spent behind Nagano to back him. Mm-hmm. Um, no one thought Stipe stood a chance, and the the message was that you know they you know Stipe is finally going to get taken care of and get rid of. And oh, that's amazing. Stipe put man. on a Stipe put on a clinic. That was amazing. Um, yeah. It was just a team effort. Like to see Marcus Marinelli um, and everything that he put into to Stipe and his other coaches as well. Um, Alex Cooper, Bobby Khalil, Steve Kynes. I mean, there's so many people. And it's uh, it's such a great dynamic that, you know, there's my job on the business side, but also my relationship with Marcus has flourished through through that and his coaches. And it's just been a team effort to achieve something like that. So, um, amazing and I've just, stuff. I've man. never been a part of a team like that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an honor to be part of it. And that, we loved every moment of it. So yeah. that's probably the, you know, see if I could go out and uh, – and you know, assassinate DC in the first round here um, in July, and it, it it still wouldn't be the highest high for me. Yeah, that, that day in you. January in TD Garden um, was awesome. It was like you guys against the world, man. And uh, I remember seeing that video. It I was. think I think it was like the one of those embedded videos, and he's playing like. Like it's days before the big fight, and he's like playing duck duck goose with you guys in that room. Like we did, yeah. Doing we have, like uh, a. It was actually open workouts. Just, That's funny you bring that up. So yeah. Francis is doing his pad work right at open workouts, and we're we're in this. Uh, I don't know exactly where we were in Boston. It all kind of blends together, but 
we were at open workouts, right? And they put us in the, it was like some type of gym. Um, and they had like a, either a racquetball room or a yoga room or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we're in there, right? And it's, it's myself and the immediate coaches, um, and Stipe. So there's six of us in there. And, and this dude, Stipe gets up there and puts the headset on <laughs> and turns the speaker on and starts, you know, all right, all right, everybody, yeah. we're going to start marching together. Like, yeah. Stepping with Steve, you know. That's, <laughs> that's just, what it was. Stepping that's with how Steve. he is, right? Like, you know, fight week is super stressful and intense. Um, but just the team vibe and, like, Steve's attitude is what makes him great. Um, what makes all of us great, to be honest. Um, but it's a very much a team effort. And, you know, having that having that type of environment right before he goes to open workouts, um, Steve can flip that switch, right? You yeah, know, he's this yeah. very genuine, authentic, nice, the most humble guys ever. But you don't want to be in there when that cage door shuts and he flips that switch because that amazing, uh, man. he's relentless. Yeah, that was such an incredible performance. Just wore him down and just beat the shit out of him for five rounds. It was yeah, just The way that Stipe fought, like, just in sync with our strategy and our plan and his fight IQ is so high. Like, you'll you'll even see Stipe, if you rewatch that fight, like, putting himself in certain positions where he could have finished the fight, but just playing high percentages and being where we want to be and making Francis play our game and putting him in really tough spots. Yeah. You know, Stipe, Stipe won every minute of that fight. Yeah, he did. Um, he did. And, amazing. and I couldn't be more proud of him. That's amazing. And, and I see you guys doing the, the things with the, you know, off the, off the outside of the octagon, we'll call it like the club cadets and the modellos and all these opportunities that are coming his way. Yeah. That's beautiful. I mean, we've been, uh, we've been working our butts off, you know, we put together, we've been pitching some of this stuff for a year and a half now. Um, and some of it's finally coming to fruition. You know, the sales cycle on some of the stuff is really, really long. And that's what most people don't understand. They think sponsorships grow on trees and, you know, they just fall from the sky. And that's not true. There's just been a lot of hard work, um, with a lot of really good partners locally with cup cadet. It's a great fit. Awesome. Awesome folks there. Um, Modelo, the constellation brands, uh, team, and Modelo team are awesome. Um, you know, they took a big chance. They, we filmed that commercial, uh, before Steve baby Francis. Um, so our partnership with them, um, began before that. Um, you know, they were all in before that fight and they believe in us and they, they're very, very sharp, um, business folks with great business skills and acumen. Um, very analytically driven, very good people. And we couldn't ask for better partners. And those are the types of people that we really work well with um, and really enjoy having relationships with. And we couldn't be more grateful for the support of folks like Modelo um, and Cup Cadet. And we have a laundry list of folks that help us. Um, we're super grateful for those partnerships. Oh, that's great, man. Hey, listen, I know that, uh, like I said, you're a little tight on time, but um, really appreciate you shedding some light onto this whole thing. What, the fight, fight that's coming up with him in D.C. is, what, July 7th, right? That's correct. International That's right. Fight Week with the UFC. It's going to be in Las Vegas? That's right, at T-Mobile yeah. Arena. So yeah, Steve will awesome. uh, headline the event after International Fight Week, which is, you know, basically Super Bowl week for the UFC. Yeah. What's uh, what's the name of your what's the name of your agency and uh, what's next for you guys at the agency? JW Management Agency. Mm-hmm. Um, is the name of my agency. We've been uh, We've been scaling, so internally some of our goals, uh, we've hit a lot of our internal metrics, scaling, bringing more folks on, um, but ultimately uh, getting into another vertical. Um, 
potentially NFL. So you know that deal. Um, but we'll be moving into another vertical for sure. Um, sometime probably early next year. So we're getting nice. ready for that and growing accordingly, um, bringing more folks on um, and growing uh, to scale. That's one of the biggest things that I never want to um, – I don't want to take on more I can't handle. We have a lot of clients that um, – would like to work with us, um, but I need to make sure that I have the resources and people in place to make sure that I continue to deliver value to those athletes. So no doubt, man. No we're, doubt. we're growing, chipping away, boulder by boulder. Beautiful. And uh, you come to Cleveland every once in a while, huh? You come back home? I do. Yeah. Um, I do when I can. My mom actually lives in Cleveland uh, and my brother, so it's great to to see them. You know, I get a... <laughs> She definitely gets upset when I, uh, my mom and my grandma when I come home and I don't even really get a chance to see them because I'm working so much. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's great to be back. Uh, exactly. They could find you. Yeah, at Strong, I'm sure they could find you at Strong Style if they really need to. So. Yeah, she uh, <laughs> she can find me. So she yeah. lures me back with uh, with great food every time I go there. Yeah. I'm in great shape, and then uh, she fattens me up on the way back. So it's awesome and much appreciated. Yeah. Uh, real quick, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, website, social media, that kind of stuff. Um. I am Jim Walter 216 um, on social media. Uh, to be honest, I don't have a website, um, which is a little uh, not traditional. Um, I pretty much just go by word of mouth referrals. Um, and if you know we find someone that's a good fit, then we take them on, on as a client. So um, not really uh, focused on marketing um, my company necessarily or myself, but letting our work speak for us. So a lot of word of mouth, word of mouth referrals. I mean, we've, tripled our growth in the last year so wow. um seems to be going well but uh yeah jim walter two and six on social media um jim at jwmanage.com is my email um drop a line perfect and we'll link it up in the show notes uh continued success to you jim it's pretty awesome seeing what you guys are doing like we said timing is everything and you guys are doing a phenomenal job uh by all accounts with stipe and the other fighters that you're representing and uh, we'll be keeping an eye on you, man. Stay in touch, and uh, we'll be we'll be rooting for you. Awesome, thanks, Nate. Hey, thanks for uh, the time and having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, we'll we'll stay in touch. Sounds good. And thank you for listening to a, another episode of the Optimal Life. Really appreciate the support. And uh, if you guys enjoy what you're listening to and enjoy what you're hearing, as always, please click subscribe. And give us the five-star rating so we can continue to elevate the podcast within Apple Podcasts and everywhere else that the podcast is played and provided. And uh, leave us a comment. Leave us feedback. You could, uh, we're always open to feedback, whether it's positive or negative. So uh, you know, we want to do whatever we can to improve the show. And if there's something that we're missing, then let us know. You could reach me also on Instagram at Nathan Haber. And uh, again, I know that you have a lot of listening options these days. There's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of people sharing different things. So if you are listening to this podcast and if you're a loyal listener to this podcast, from the bottom of my heart, I want to just say thank you. Uh, very grateful for that. And uh, we're going to continue providing you guys with the best content possible so that we can continue to live an optimal life and be our optimal and best selves. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks.